This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. Gail Randolph, a member of the congregation, and I've had the pleasure of working with Good News Club for about eight years. It's part of an international organization, Children's Evangelism Fellowship. But Pittman has been so kind to open the doors to an after-school club where we get the privilege of telling the kids about Jesus Christ. Together they can celebrate their faith uh, right here with their friends at school. We feed them, we sing with them, we teach them. We reward them for learning their Bible verse and for attendance, and we get to build relationships. We get to pray with them, pray for them. Through this partnership, we've also helped students who struggle academically. Um, With our tutoring program, we've really built some strong relationships where tutors have been able to work with students over several years and have gotten to see them progress from a struggling reader to a fluent reader. The experience of tutoring has really been rewarding for me and I hope for the two students. We developed a friendship during our tutoring. We've really built some strong relationships where tutors have been able to work with students um, over several years and have gotten to see them progress from a struggling reader to a fluent reader. There are some mornings that they don't want to, or afternoons I should say, that they aren't really into it. So. Uh, We uh, spend a little time just getting to know one another. The benefits of collaborating together with our Schweitzer partners has really been immeasurable. I have found that uh, I am not a teacher by trade. However, I am somebody that's going to be there every Thursday. And I think that over a period of time, they come to Uh, appreciate that. We meet every Tuesday after school for 90 minutes. Many of our Good News Club volunteers are former teachers, retired teachers, men and women, but many of them just have a heart for children and if this announcement kind of makes your heart patter, you've heard about Good News Club, this might be the year for you to consider making a one-year commitment to help on the team. The first club is September 22nd and I'd love to talk to you about being part of the team. Thank you. We love Pittman School. We love Principal Laura. We love the students there and their families. And let's love what Good News Club and tutoring ministry is doing at Pittman School. And so we show that video among several videos you'll be seeing today and in the coming weeks about opportunities for us to serve. As we kick off this series about serving, we ask you to think two. Each week we'll be showing two videos. And as you think about how you serve as a follower of Jesus... We like to think of it in two different ways at Schweitzer, where we serve inwardly. We serve when we're gathered here on Sunday morning. Imagine what it would be like if there were no one to, if there was no one to greet you, if there was no one to serve the food, if there's no one to teach us or to lead our kids, if there's no one to lead us in worship. So we really emphasize the importance of the body of Christ coming together serves each other, but also 
we serve the world. We serve the community. The church is not about itself. We are here to bless people who have no affiliation with the church. We love this community. We love this world. And we want to impact this world. So think too. We serve each other and we serve the world. Think too in the sense of in two weeks, we're going to be having a Serve Expo. And it's an opportunity where if you want to talk to a real person about something you're you're interested in doing at the church, there's going to be tables in the Fellowship Center, in the foyer, and over up on the landing. And those of you at Renovate, just come on over after Renovate. There will people will be here after 12 o'clock for you where you can talk about an area where you would like to serve and you'd like to know more about that. So think about that in two weeks. And today we're going to be looking at two scriptures, which I think really exemplify the why. Why do we serve in the first place? Why do you serve? What's the motivation for you? We serve one reason because there's fruit. We, we see outcomes. We see people's lives that are being touched here. We see lives changed here. We see how this church is impacting the community. So we serve because we see outcomes. It would be hard to keep serving if we didn't see fruit. We serve because of relationships. You know, you get to know somebody more when you're serving alongside them, no matter what that project is or whatever you're doing, you learn about the person you're serving with. And relationships build more than they do in sitting in a pew on Sunday morning. So it's about relationships. We also serve because it's really fun to find our role, to find our purpose. You know, all of us are wired with spiritual gifts and natural abilities and talents. And it's just, you become spiritually alive when you get to serve out of your sweet spot. So that's a motivation for giving and serving. But the number one reason that we serve is God. God. It's through our serving that we become like God. It is through serving that we really get to know God. And so today we're going to look at the scripture, two scriptures about Jesus and what we learn from the scripture about the real motivation, the, the white hot why. We do what we do. The first scripture we're looking at today is from Philippians. It's Paul's letter to the Christians at uh, Philippi. And Paul in the second chapter is giving them the reason to serve. The why and the how. Let's look at these words together. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy... Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So what is Paul saying? He's saying, don't do anything out of selfish ambition. Yeah, be ambitious, but don't make it about yourself. And don't be just concerned about your own interest. Look out after the interest of other people. Think about the common good. Think about how this is going to impact and be of helpful to other people. 
And then he goes on to talk about the greatest servant of all. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death, on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. So, what is Jesus doing? Jesus is putting aside the scepter of a king and he's taking on the towel of a servant. The God who is eternal light, the God who is, e- is eternal, the God that existed before time, puts all that stuff aside to serve. And you and I can have that same mind, that same spirit about us. That's the why of serving Now, there's another scripture I want us to look at, and that's from the Gospel of Mark, the 10th chapter. And this is a story about Jesus talking with the 12 disciples, the 12 apprentices. You may know that Jesus spent about three years of his life and ministry with primarily 12 guys. They lived together, they ate together, they they did life together. And in this story that we're going to be reading, James and John, which are two of the top three guys in the group, come to Jesus with a request. Let's read. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. So it's all about me. It's all about their own self-importance. It's all about how they can promote themselves. And so he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one on your right hand and one on your left in your glory. Jesus said to them, You do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? You know, the cup that Jesus is going to drink of is a cup of suffering. It's a cup of sacrifice. It's it's the cup of serving. Do you really want to drink this cup, he asked them. And they said to him, we're able. We're up for it. (laughs) And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. And James and John will suffer and make sacrifices in the future. But to sit at my right hand or to sit at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. Now, when the ten heard about this, the other ten guys, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to himself, and he said to them. It's like Jesus is talking here in front of a bunch of people. And he's saying, okay, time out. You, twelve, come on over here. Let's talk about this. 
And Jesus is giving them instructions. He's not embarrassing them before the others, but he's taking them aside for a sidebar conversation. And this is what Jesus says to them. You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and grant and their great ones exercise authority over them. Now, the word Gentiles in Scripture means those who were not Jews, but essentially it became known to mean those who were not believers, those who were not following the ways of God. So you know that the Gentiles, you know the non-believers, you know the people in this world that are all about their own importance, that's what they do. But Jesus says this to them, but it shall not be so among you. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man, the Son of Man is Jesus' term for Himself, recognizing His humanity, but it was also a sign of the Messiah. So when He says the Son of Man, He's talking about Himself. Even me, I came not to be served, but to serve. And to give His life to give my life as a ransom for many. Now, it's not hard for us to understand, is it, what Jesus is after, what Jesus is talking about. That Jesus came to this earth to be a servant of all of us. That Jesus gave his life in his teachings, in his ministry, and in his death. He gave up his life as a ransom, as a payment for all of us. And We want to be like Him by being a servant like Jesus served us. That's not hard to understand that intellectually. But in the rub of life, in the heat of the moment, it's hard to live this out. Oftentimes we blow it. We have the best of intentions and so many times we find ourselves in a bad movie wondering how do we get from here to there? And mess up so quickly. This happened to me uh, on our vacation a couple of weeks ago. Susan and I were celebrating our 30th wedding anniversary. We went to Montana and Idaho and Canada. And if you were to ask me what was my favorite moment, it would be hard to say because we had all kinds of great memories and experiences. But there was one really bad moment. Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Beautiful town. Just an incredible uh, mountain town on a lake. And it was noon, and we were in this nice, plush area. And I was hungry. When I get hungry and I get tired, I think one thought, and that's food. We're going into this restaurant. There's a musician playing down the street. It's just an incredibly beautiful day. And I go in and I ask the waitress, I say, how long will the wait be if we sit outside at a table? And she says, about five or ten minutes. And so we wait about 15 or 20 minutes, and I go back up to her, and I say, well, how much longer is it going to be? And she says, well, you know, we can't force people to leave the tables outside. Uh, If you want to, you can sit in the back. So I go sit for about ten more minutes, and then I notice there's this one couple that's coming in after we've come in, and so... I go up to them and and I ask the 
question again, well, why, why did they get to a table when they came in later? Well, they're sitting with somebody else. Do you want to sit with somebody else, she says? And this is going from bad to worse. And so after about ten more minutes, she says something really quick to Susan and I as she goes outside. And Susan and I don't have a clue what she said. Because we're old and young people talk too fast. (laughs) And about five or ten minutes later, she says to us, you know, if you want a table, I believe I would take it. And I said to her, well, why didn't you tell us? And she said, I did, five minutes ago. And I said, you talk so fast, I couldn't hear you. I couldn't understand you. Now, if you've ever seen the movie Inside Out, you know about emotions. And at this moment, anger and disgust is taking over my psychic. And so I say that to her. And she gets in my face and she says this, Sir, if you don't change your attitude real soon, you can leave this place because we don't want your kind here. Now, at this moment, I am livid. I have a reptilian anger that's just coming over me. And I look around the room because I'm sure someone from Schweitzer is present, (laughs) taking in this whole scene. Because that's happened to us before, wherever we go. (laughs) Can't get away from you folks. But as I'm looking around the room, I catch my wife's eyes. And Susan's eyes communicate everything. Her eyes tell me, what you do next, Bob, is critically important. (laughs) My pride says, let's leave. My stomach says, let's stay. We stayed. I calmed down and went silent. I politely asked for a refill of tea. The service continued to be bad. The music was good. The experience was awful. And I thought about that the rest of the day. It just kind of ruined my day. Because I was shamed publicly, but I was ashamed of myself. I was ashamed at how I fell into that conversation, how I made the fool's choice. I, I was ashamed of my reaction or, or my response. And I contrast that with the experience that we had the next three days when we were with our friends, Bo and Christopher. Bo and Christopher are two fine young men who have started a new company, uh, Living River Farms. And in this company, they have a purpose statement which simply says, create a great environment where people can start fresh from the river of life. Look at that statement just for a moment. So they're starting a food, poultry processing, serve opportunity, the first one in Montana. They're going to be ecology friendly, where people can get a fresh start, people that mess up in life, people that may not be able to be employed otherwise. From the river of life, and by the river of life, what they mean is the Holy Spirit unapologetic about their faith. So we have so much respect for Bo and Christopher, and they treat us like royalty. We stay in their cabin, and these guys have sacrificed where they've built this little cabin to live in while they can launch this new ministry, this new company, and they feed us, they 
they set up a, a chance for us to bike. We go hiking with them. We have huckleberry muffins for breakfast. We have huckleberry shakes at night. You've not lived until you've had fresh huckleberries from Montana. And, and the response of all that, one evening I found myself washing the dishes, not because I was asked to do that, not because I was expected to do that. I wanted to do that. What a different reaction or response I had than the one I had in Coeur d'Alene. What was the difference? Well, the difference was love. The difference was respect. The difference was a sense of wanting to. And caught up in the idea that I can't serve you guys enough. Because I love and respect you so much. And all that you've done for me. But you know, Jesus talked about the reality that that's the way we tend to be, isn't it? Jesus elsewhere asked the question, you know, when you love only the people that love you, what's up with that? If you serve only people that serve you, what's up with that? If you only forgive your friends, but you don't forgive your enemies, or you don't forgive people that really rub you the wrong way, how are you different from those Gentiles? from those unbelievers, from people that get caught up in the world. You know, Jesus is talking to us about servanthood, and servanthood is different from servitude. Servanthood is when everyone respects each other and when there's a sense of you want to serve. Servitude is when you have to serve, when you have to do things. And Jesus is calling us to a different attitude, a different mindset, a different spirit, where we don't get thrown off track as quickly or as easily as I did that day in Coeur d'Alene. There's a scripture that I think really uh, points us to how we're to respond to who Jesus is in our life. The scripture is again in that second chapter of Philippians where Paul writes these words, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you to will and to work for his good pleasure. Let's look at those words for a while. This scripture can be easily misinterpreted. Salvation is God's eternal life, God's gift of life, God's deliverance from sin and death. It's it's our reality that We are a part of God's kingdom now and forever. Salvation. But we aren't to work for salvation. We work in response to God's great gift. You hear the difference? We don't do good works to get saved. We do good works because we are saved. We don't do good works because we want God to love us or accept us. We do this because we're already loved and accepted. We forgive other people, not in the hopes that they will forgive us or because they earn it. We forgive people because it's a response to the reality that we know we have been forgiven by God. Now, let's take a look at this. If you want to look at your front of your Pray, Study, Grow, we have a couple of diagrams there for you. And I invite you to take a look at 
the reality of who God is and the goodness of God. And think, if you would, about uh, where are you on the continuum if God and good is perfect at the top and the bottom is, is shame and, and, and being a zero in terms of being righteous, where would you put yourself? Would you put yourself somewhere in the middle? Think about the best person you know. Think about the most saintly person you know. Where would you put them on the continuum? You might put them really high. You know, uh, in Coeur d'Alene that day, I would have put myself way down here, feeling a lot of shame. Where do you put yourself on the continuum? Now, so many of us think that the way that we get right with God is we keep moving our way up the continuum. We keep doing good things or we get better at who we are and maybe we'll finally get to this place where God will accept us. But the truth of the matter is that at my best... I'm not good enough. But at my worst, I'm not beyond God's mercy. The truth of the matter is, God is all-knowing and all-wise. And God can look at my life like an x-ray vision. And He sees what's broken in me. He sees my motives and my attitudes and my spirit. And there's times when I know my attitude stinks and my actions are like ink stains on a piece of paper. But the good news is that we don't live here, or we don't have to live here in that mindset. And the message of the good news of Jesus Christ is calling us to live over here, to recognize that Jesus Christ gives his life up as a ransom as a payment for many, for all of us. And the goodness that I have is not based on me. It's based on what God has done for me in, G in Jesus. And it's also based on what God does in me as he does change my life and transform me more into the likeness of Jesus Christ. So I want to ask you to ask yourself the question, where are you living? What's your faith? What's your theology? And I hope you don't live here. Because that never works. But the good news is that Jesus Christ loves us and dies for us, and is there for us. And that's the gospel, and that's the why. And when I live by the standards of the world, or I live by a works righteousness mentality, I'm never good enough, I mess up, I'll be limited in my love. But when I remember 
that he put away the scepter and he took up the towel. When I remember that Jesus became a servant, when I remember that he was willing to do the task of a slave, when I remember that he became obedient even to death on a cross, when I remember this, it changes everything. So Paul says, let this mind be in you. It was also in Christ Jesus. Let this spirit be in all of us. And so as we talk about serving, and in the coming weeks we talk about different roles that you can play in the church, and as we talk about the fun of serving with other people, and as we talk about the outcome and the fruit, I hope we never forget the why. Why serve? The answer is love. And the answer is Jesus. I invite you to look at one more video today as we lift up ways that we can serve as a church. Let's watch. involved in music at Swites United Methodist Church because it's a great way to honor God and praise Him with our gifts and abilities. It seemed like it was something that I would really like to do. It looked like the choir was having a fun thing and I, to do and, and I thought I would really like to sing back up for somebody like Mary. I love to sing and I hadn't done it since high school. And the robe and the music were lined up perfectly. Oh, it was a good choir that was organized. Uh, it was wonderful. You're really leading them to engage their worship, their personal worship with Christ and their connection and you are a big part of that. We are preparing an offering and that's the way it feels to me. The songs we sing are offerings and um, the congregation is part of that. It's really rewarding to sit in the choir loft every Sunday and to see the looks on the faces of the congregants uh, when they're really getting into the worship and you know that the spirit is flowing. My dad brought to my attention that you can do so much more than just performing for others. You can use your talent that Christ has given you to actually worship Him. When, you, when I think about serving, my first question I want to ask is why wouldn't you serve? I think when you're just attending a church, you're, you're just kind of on the periphery, um, but when you're serving, you're, you're more at the center of it. You're involved in the mission and the purpose of the church. When you use your giftings, especially when you take the risk to use your giftings to a level you never have before, you gain and the body gains in ways that are not necessarily quantifiable. It makes you feel so full and really an opportunity to experience God. It really does help you grow as a person and your relationship with Christ. The fellowship, the camaraderie, the music, um, it's just, it's very fulfilling. I think it's when we find that way of benefiting and blessing others that actually also gives us joy in life that we're really serving in our sweet spot. We welcome you to join us in the music ministry. You can be involved with uh, Chancel Choir, Singer Saints, Schweitzer Bells, or the Praise Band. For more information, contact me or KJ, and we'll get you plugged in.